Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear. And of course, as you know, we mean weekly. We'll dedicate once again to Nachman Yaakov Ben Sihirsh. Hello, Shalom. May his neshama be a good to better for his whole family, his wife, his children. Um, this week, Shabbos, called Shabbos Pashas Chazain. We're going to go on doing according to dates. This Shabbos is Tishabov. And in Yerat Hashem, we will discuss. Obviously, the laws pertaining to that, <coughs> and even more so, the spiritual connotation of Shabbos Tishabov. We embarked this week on the new Chumash, the one that I can never pronounce, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy Chumash Devarim. Known formally as Mishnah Teda. <coughs> Sorry. Mishnah Teda because it's a repetition of the Teda, of the four Chumashim prior. And we've explained once before. We've explained before. Welcome back. Hachumish Devarim is a repetition of the Teda, and therefore, when a get is written, one of the reasons a get is written is 12 lines, is because the 12 lines of blanks in the Teda, the 12 blank lines, which are between Bereshis, Shemais, are four lines, Shemais and Vayikra are four lines. Midbar are four lines. Those three sets of four blank spaces, twelve lines, is why we have a get is written with twelve lines. Whereas whereas generally although between although between there are four blank lines as well, but since Devarim is known as Mishnah Teda, the repetition of the Teda, therefore we do not count those four lines, and we only count the three sets of four, piling over twelve. You what? Oh, you're right, I didn't. Um... Right, it was a rough week. Um, therefore, is known as a repetition. <coughs> These are the words that Moshe spoke to the entire Jewish nation, to all of Israel. Since we do find it in a Sefer Teda, as well as we find of course, Bereshit Shmeis Vayikra Bamidbar, Chumash Dvarim as well, is of course part of the Teda. And being part of the Teda, it's a little different here, the wording which we're using here, by saying, Eil Dvarim HaShadibar Meisha, that Moshe spoke and not that Almighty God has spoken. The first four books of, of the Tera, Reish, Shmeis, Vikram, Bamidban, Devarim. Reish, Shmeis, Vikram, Bamidban. The first four books were told to Moshe by the Almighty, by God, and it was transmitted 
to the Eden. No, but they, whatever they wish they gave him, that somebody should repeat it. Basically, you have a lot of it as a concept, obviously. You don't have word for word. The book of Devarim, though, we say different. Mesha spoke in his own name. And the thesis, if you're keeping score at home, Mesechtis Megillah, Lamed Aleph Amid Beis, Tasis tells us it was through Ruach HaKedish. Through divine inspiration, Mesha spoke and relayed the entire Chumash Devarim. The fact is, the first four Chumashim, in essence, really, Devishti gave over to Mesha something that was above his wisdom. It was above his understanding, even. And therefore, Mesha, as a messenger, transcribed God's words so that they could be conveyed to the Jews the way he received them. Same Gemara that Mesechus Megillah tells us. If Hashem would have given the entire Torah this way, then whatever we would have in the Torah would just be a reflection of God's words. But could not become divine wisdom itself. So when it came to Chumash Devarim, God communicated His word to Mesha in a manner that Mesha understood. And therefore Mesha brought this out in His own name, and he conveyed the wisdom, the divine wisdom, in a way that his mind had grasped. Me, as we said, that the Chumash Dvarim is referred to as Mishnah Tera. Because it's a review of the first four books. It has a dual quality, as we say. It goes two ways here. It's the Word of God. But it descends into the world, into the realm of human comprehension. Well, every other part of Tata also has this quality. But this is done from a different angle. From a different channel, shall we say. Take back the word angle. In addition, what was Mesha's role in essence was to connect every member of the Jewish community with God. This became reality of Torah study for every Jew. How? Because we have the Chumash Devarim. Moshe spoke in his own name, but it's still, of course, the word of Hashem. Just like the other four Devarim. But any Jew, no matter what his level of spirituality is, or comprehension is, They can always ingest the very word of God, divinity, holiness, neither tainted nor diminished. So we find Moshe begins to discuss to discuss a little history first. He takes them down memory lane. <laughs> and in the journey down memory lane, he doesn't do the scenic route. He gives them the route that reminds them everything they did. And tells them but every sin whoops but every sin that the Jews committed
But, because he's Meish Rabbeinu, and because it's not the proper way to repeat, God forbid, a Jew's sin, therefore everything is done with a hint. Everything done with Biremez. Houston, you have a problem. I can't find you on the list. <laughs> I know he's here, but I can't get him up. I don't know if he hears me or not. I, I hope he will. So I'm searching my name. Hold on. Let me just listen. Shalom, are you on? Scranton? Okay. Now everybody's on board. Meisha hints. And he says this thing and this place and mentions of places, but doesn't say what happened there. Rashi ultimately tells us, tells the Mechamish and Mikha the reason for all these explanations, all these places, and some of the places that Meisha hints in such a way we never even heard of those places, is so, of course, not to insult the Jewish people. We do know, though, that, of course, Mesha speaks speaks the Musr, the very Musr, right before dying, and he brings down the reasons a person says Musr before dying. We bring down from Yaakov, you know, that we learn that we say Musr right before dying, because this way the person won't see you again, you won't be embarrassed, etc. There's many different reasons. Rashi brings a very interesting Moshal. He says that Moshal the Melech, a marshal to a king, an example of a king whose child was ill, and his child was ill and he took him to a far off land to see, to seek special medical attention. And Baruch Hashem, they went and they arrived in a certain place, they came to the doctors, and these doctors were indeed able to help the prince and a while later, the son, the king, and his son returned home. What happened? How did I? I don't know what I just did now. I messed this up. Hold on, I messed up now, Robert. What happened here? Uh, there's supposed to be somebody. Manning this thing, not me. <laughs> okay, hopefully we get everybody back now. Okay, I believe I have him back. The king, on a journey back, took the same route that he went that he went on, and we looked. Oh no, I lost him. And we learn from Avram Avinu. By Avram Avinu, he did the same route that he had come on, that he went on a journey on, but it was a different story. The reason that Avram Avinu took the same route was to pay back everybody that he had stayed by and said that on the way back, on my, journey, on my return journey, I will pay you. But here, as he took the scenic, he took back the same route which they went, the king reminisced with his son. Oh no. How does he reminisce? He tells his son, remember, when we went to this place, we were in this place, and your head hurt you. And in this place, you slept in this place. In each place he enumerates to the child, here you were cold. Now the truth to be told, Rashi brings this muscle, and it almost sounds superfluous. It almost sounds like the truth to be told, that why would he have to even tell us that it was a king? He could have just said this example. 
the Rebbe at very, very great length explains the connection oh, he's still hanging there somewhere the connection of each thing what it meant, the headache, etc. I'm not going to go into the very, very long involved Sicha, unfortunately. Unfortunately for us, because there's so much more to talk about. But each thing that Rashi says has an actual pointer. Has an actual as an actual connection as to what and how this was relevant to the Jewish nation, how they had gone through a different trial and tribulation at this particular point, this particular juncture, and therefore that's why the Torah mentions it that way. That's why Rashi brings this marshal. Can't get through to him. Therefore, the Pasik says, Bever Ayardin, Hail Mesha, Beir is Ateda Hazes Lamer. On the other side of the Yardin, Mesha begins to explain the Teda saying, and he starts to enumerate what he said. But Rashi says, What does Beir mean? How did he explain it? Rashi says, Bishivim Loshin. 70 languages. Moshe explained the Torah in 70 languages. Why? Why now? Why at this point in time? I can't believe this. Why only at this point of time, at this juncture, did Moshe decide before he's passing away to recount something that he could have done for 40 years in the desert? B'nai Yisrael were about to begin their conquest of the land of Canaan. They were going to battle now to conquer the land. <coughs> this process was going to take seven years of battle and then seven years dedicated to dividing and settling the land. Moshe chooses now, before they do this, to, to translate the entire Teda in 40 languages. 70 languages. By, by 70 languages, because by translating the Teda, Moshe's essence was carrying out a very crucial component for the conquering of the land, for the conquest of the seven nations. Because everything in the physical world has a spiritual source. Any change that takes place in the physical plane first needs to be executed in the spiritual. So according to Kabbalah, the seven nations who occupied the land of Canaan represented in essence the 70 nations of ultimately the Ayin Ume Sa'ilam that we used to, they used to shecht kabonas for. And they contain their spiritual source. By Moshe translating the Teda, it breached the language barrier between Teda and the 70 nations. And this automatically, because Teda was translated into their language, Therefore, spiritually, they were immediately conquered. Since their language was taken and was used for Kedusha, for Teda, this, therefore, was a spiritual 
victory over their nation. And once Moshe achieved that, then Moshe therefore helped the Yidin physically then conquer these same very same nations. Mesha explains the Teda in 70 languages. A very, very intriguing lesson to us all, because Mesha really had a different mission here as well. Mesha's mission was for our Shir tonight, or was for any other Shir that you ever listen to in any other given language. Since Jews would be found in many different parts of the world, and therefore would need to learn Torah in their language. Therefore, Mesha paved the road. Only because Mesha said these words, did are we able to learn them in this language now? And we know very much, very well. Whatever the greatest and the most brilliant students will bring as a chiddush, as something new in this world in Teda, Mesha was told already in Sinai. Mesha already heard about this. And therefore, if it is indeed a true if it is a true Chiddush, then it's not only a Chiddush that is now coming into this world as a novelty and as a new thing, but rather it's something that Mesha already had in this world, and something that we are now bringing to light for Mesha Rabbeinu. And the same thing is with the languages. By Mesha explaining already the Teda in this very language, therefore every time a word of Teda is expressed and said in this given language, it is something that Mesha said at this point in time when Be'er es ha-teda hazes. That's something wrong with the Skype here on the computer for a change. Okay. Apropos to the nine days, three weeks, the Jews say to Mesha, or Mesha actually is repeating their conversation. Out of hatred, God took us out of Egypt. That's quite a, a statement. But he loved them. But you hated him. Marshal Hedjit is simple Marshal Eimer. Hedjit says, What's in your heart against the other person is what is hard against you. You only think that he feels that way about you because you feel that way about him. Let us understand this Rashi not with a Pshat, but rather with Remez. Pasha's Devonim is always read the Shabbos before Tishabov. This complaint of the Jewish nation, Besinas Hashemesanu, has a very special connection to Tishabov. It's brought down in Svarim. That the Deir Hamidbar, this generation that was in the desert, that said, and they cried 
for no reason. Therefore, Gormul Atishabov, they were Gerim for the ninth day of Av for the Churban. Shnemat says, Echiyashva Badad Ha'ir is Ashtavis Eva. And Samach Sadiq explains, this also hints that Sinas Chinam, the hatred, the unwarranted hatred, that destroyed the second temple, and therefore through Vehafta Lariacha Kamecha, we cause that the Neshamas Yisrael are called Achim Vereim Lamokim, brothers and friends to the Almighty. And through this, I'll call Pishayim Chase Ava. All the sins are covered by love. We can say perhaps that the explanation of the sinas Hashem Isanu and really he loved them. The reason Rashi is coming to point this out and to reveal even in this situation, even in this very time of Bein HaMitzarim as it's called now, the time between Shivasa Betamuz and Tishabav. Which came about, it's a sad time because it came about because of the behavior of the Jews. So much so that the natural love of the, of the Jew to the Aviyam Shiva Shemayim was totally, totally hidden. And even in such a situation, Rashi testifies, He loved you. Even though you not only did not profess to loving Hashem, but rather the opposite. You said that He hated you. Hashem loved you. There's never a weakness at all in the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I have a feeling someone turned off the air Can you go over there and see if the first button is only there? It's on, I feel it. I don't. The front button. No, it should be on the, it should be to the front. It's all the way to the front? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Not only a hidden love. Where you can't prove that the Jew feels the Jew feels this love actually. Oh. Even a revealed love. The face you show, so is the heart to another one. That the love of Kaddish Baruch Hu Yisrael has awakened them. And it's an open love. And Yisrael is some tshuva. The Jews would do tshuva, they will repent and immediately be redeemed. This Shabbos is known as Shabbos Chazayin. Chazayin Shayahu Ben Amatz. The Avtera begins with the words Chazayin Shayahu. It's a vision of Yishayahu. And throughout the Avtera, he's not very complimentary. He talks about things that are not exactly salvation, not exactly condolences. Of which the visions he saw about, the visions that he saw about Yehuda Yerushalayim. We know though, that in essence, the explanation of Shabbos Chazayin, the seeing, the vision, it's brought down from the holy Baditshiva. The Baditshiva gives a marshal, A father bought his child a beautiful suit, an expensive suit. 
And the child, first time he wore the suit, wasn't behaving properly, and he tore the suit to shreds. Why is this failing? I don't understand. He shredded the suit. The father took pity on his child, and he bought the child a second suit. Busy, I don't understand what's going on with this thing. He bought the child a second suit. And he told the child, be careful. But again the child did not be care- was not careful, did not behave, and destroyed the second suit. Ma'asa, what does the father do? He makes a third suit for his child. But this time he does not let him put it on. <laughs> he shows it to him and he says... When you know how to behave, this is yours. And he puts it in the closet. And from time to time, he takes it out and he says, Look, my child, your beautiful suit is waiting for you to learn how to behave like a mensch. Eventually, (laughs) the child says, Sorry, Dad, I outgrew the suit anyway. I don't care. (laughs) No, I hope not. But this ultimately says the Badichava is the way that the discipline will, chi- will straighten the child and put the child in the right path. According to this, Shabbos Chazain is Lashen Merze. Vision. We are shown, each and every one of us, and if we merit, we can actually see it with our physical eyes. The third base Hamikdash is shown to us and dangled before our eyes on this Shabbos. We are shown this third base Hamikdash and told it was your negligence that caused destruction of the first and the second. Learn how to behave, learn how to cooperate, learn how to coexist with one another so that I can give you this house, I can give you this third temple, or I can give you this new garment. Shabbos Chazen, showing the Mingdash to each and every one of us. But Chazen is talking about the vision of Yeshayo. The vision of Yeshayo is not a good one. This parable, this muscle, tells us, gives us hope, gives us future, gives us yearning, gives us a mission, gives us a vision of something that we want to see and therefore we should strive to achieve. But the actual haftada of which the parasha is named after Chazayin Yishayo is not of such magnitude, but rather very derogatory fashion. So where does it coincide with the muscle of the Badichva? And this we'd like to explain according to the wording, that the third base Hamidosh, Marin the Kolechot V'yechot M'Yisrael Hamidosh Lossit, Meirachoik, it is shown to us from the distance. Even though, yes, we are shown the future of the base Hamidosh, each and every one of us has to know and feel it's still, but so close yet so far. And although we are being shown this Migdash Shalasid, I myself am so far from being in there. And where do we understand the distance that we are at? This in itself, that our inner soul delves into what we are looking at and what we are seeing, this in itself shows us how far we are. So therefore, in essence, Chazay Yishayohu, the vision of Yishayohu, telling us how far and how wicked and how distant we are from God Almighty. And the vision that 
The Baditshiva tells us that we are shown the actual Besamidash from the distance. We will know that it will come to us from the concept of Chazen Yishayahu to that the seeing of the Midrash the Osid, it will not be made Ochoik, but rather it will be from close up. It will be right next to us. But again we say, in the they again they were arguing as we said before even in their own tents they were talking about how the Almighty took the Jews out of Egypt because he hates them and Rashi again explains a different story here again a story with a king and again a story with a marshal of the princes but there's not one prince but two princes says Rashi Haitzayasai is taking us out. Lisina Haisa was out of hatred. Moshal the Melech Bas of Adam. An example of a, a parable to a king that had a physical king. Flesh and bones. Shayulishne Bonami had two sons. Yeshne Sadis had two fields. Achas shall shakya, achas shall bow. One was very, very fertile. One was very, very well watered and had a wonderful source of water. And one was dry. Oh, we got him back. Sorry about this technical difficulty that you said sent off, I don't know what happened there and now the two sons are looking and waiting to see what's going to happen Lemishu Ayev, the one he loves Nason Shashaki, he gives the well watered one, they're well irrigated Lemishu Sena, Nason Shabal, and the one that he does not like, uh oh I can't take more than two people on. That's the problem here. I think that's our problem. I'm losing the people. That was a mistake. I answered you wrong. Hold on. Okay, I have you here now, right? I hope so. Yes. So there's a major problem with my Skype. On the computer, it has to be updated. Okay, I have to remember to do that after the Shirmi. Whoops. There you go. so the one that he loves he gives the well irrigated field and the one he doesn't he gives the dry field Eretz Mitzrayim says Rashi says Rashi the land of Egypt was well irrigated Yaakov blessed the land that the Nilus would overflow it and would give all the fields water That it's Canaan shall bow. The land of Canaan is not like that. It's dry and therefore it has to rely on the rain. The Yitzhiyanam of Mitzrayim, he took us out of Mitzrayim, he's giving us Canaan. He took us out of this great land and he's putting us into the lousy one. What is Rashi adding with his muscle of a Melech boss of Adam that had two sons? This adds nothing to it in understanding so the Shoshakya, so the Shabal. Rashi should have just said, it's a son of the Sinai, so. He took us out of hatred, he took us out. Why? And it's Mitzrayim, Shoshakya, Vachuli. And it's Kanan, Shabal. And he took us out of Mitzrayim, he's bringing us together, Kanan. Fartik. What is the Moshul, Melech, Shnebonim? But rather, in this Moshul, Rashi is answering the situation. He's giving an explanation to the Pasuk. Because generally, it's a shock here. How did the Jews actually think that God taking them out of the servitude of Egypt, the pain that they were going through in Egypt, and when God took them out, this was a punishment. This was out of hatred. I mean, man, get real. 
And if he was hate, if he hated them so much, he wouldn't give them any land. Just take them out and leave them in the desert. Therefore, Rashi brings the muscle. A Melech Basavadam, a physical king of flesh and blood, had two sons and two fields. The Jewish nation of Bnei HaMelech. And therefore, he had to give both of them from his fields. The son that he hates, obviously, he's giving the worst field. And therefore the Jews now were complaining this. That even though that they believed in God, and that their forefathers believed in God, they are children of God. And therefore they had to get the land. Therefore, in their own eyes, they saw that the behavior of God with them is like a king who hates his son. And therefore gave them a land of Baal. So therefore, Rashi brings this whole marshal that way to explain the actual Pesach. What was going on inside the heads of the Jews? How did they actually imagine or think even for a moment that God hated them? Move on to another part of the Pesach. B'nai God and B'nai Reuven. Were sent into battle. They were given half. They were given the land of Chatzshev. Menashe were given outside of Israel on the other side of the Yadim. But on Tanai, that when the Jews have to go to war, they will join the battle. For the Ruveni, for the Godi, says the pasuk, Chalutzim tavru lefnei achechem. So they went as Chalutzim. They were the pioneers going in front. Lefnei achechem says Rashi. They were the first ones to Muhammad. Why? They were very, very strong. And their enemies fell in front of them. They detached their head and their shoulder. Yes, that's where the expression head and shoulders comes from. With one swoop of the sword, they took off the head and shoulder of the enemy. Now, spoiler alert, something's wrong here. B'nai God went in front for the battle. Yeah, they were strong, but we know the strong was Yehuda. He was the strong, his, his tribe was the strongest of them all. It says, Yod Gur Arya Yehuda is compared to a lion. He was the melech of the, the king of the animals. If you give me score at home, the Gemara Chagiga, you'd give a Lomet Beis, 13 side 2. So how does it not make more sense that Yehuda should have gone in the front? Not been a god. This is what Rashi explains in the in continuation of his explanation of the Pasuk. Rashi says, what was the way, what was their strength, what was their format of the strength of God? Their enemies fell in front of them. How? Which means to tell us the difference of B'nai God and B'nai Yehuda is how they actually won a battle. How they defeated their enemy. On Yehuda it says, Yodcha Your hand is on the neck, the back of the neck of the enemy. What does that mean? Which means to say that the enemies are on the run. As soon as they see you, they go run for their lives. And they turn their neck to you. And as soon as David explains over there, Shmuel Beis, on the passage of the Avi, Tito, the Edif, 
Because they ran away from me and turned their backs. So although they won the war and the enemy fled, still in all, it's possible that the enemy remains alive. Because they ran away. They escaped. B'nai God didn't have that situation. B'nai God's battle tactic, they went head on with the enemy, and the enemies fell to the ground. They didn't run away. They fell on their carcasses because they were beheaded. Therefore, the Mecham of Shiva Amam is more befitting to B'nai God to go first than rather Yehuda. Because Yehuda would have them run to the hills and they'll still be alive and come back and attack later. And the actual battle they were told, no one remains alive, no survivors. Therefore, Yehuda, uh, God, it was more apropos for God rather than Yehuda to go to battle. This Shabbos is Tishabov. You understand? Actually, you probably stand this way, don't you? Yeah, you do. Huh, I forgot that. This Shabbos is Tishabov. On Shabbos, happy birthday to Sarifka and Meira Tzivya. Shetichu, the twin girls that were born last year, Tishabov and Shabbos, as well. The Shabbos will be their first birthday, Meira Hashem. Although they're turning 13 months old, not 12, because it was a Shnas Ibur. It was a leap year. But they're just as cute. Can I know Please, I ask that if you're listening from minute 948, from the last 48 minutes of the shear, from the 48th minute, do not turn off the shear until the end. You must listen to this entire portion, or else you're going to hear things that are going to come out of text, and we're going to have problems. When Tishabov is pushed off to the first day, Niska halacha, the halacha was given. Ashegam oz mitzvah l'anigas Shabbos, Michael of Mashkev kol Shabbos. On Shabbos, which is Tishabov, we must enjoy our Shabbos with the food and drink, like every Shabbos. Even Sudam of Sekes, which generally is right before the fast, and you have to have boundaries to it. You eat an egg and you eat on the floor, etc. This Kriyas, when it's on Shabbos, we eat meat and wine and whatever you want to eat. By a table. So the Shlema, base Malchus So says the Shachmarach Erechai. Simen, Tavkuv, Numbez. Sif, Yud. Not only that, there is no mourning, no sadness on Shabbos. We enjoy it like every other Shabbos, even more so. We find the Gemara, if you're keeping score at home, Musechtis Megillah, Hey Amid Beis, 5 side 2. Pamachas called Tishabov Lies Bishabbos, once Tishabov came out on Shabbos. Vidachinuhu. They pushed it off to fast after Shabbos. The only two fasts that we would fast on Shabbos is Yom Kippur and Asar B'Tavis. But Asar B'Tavis can never come out on Shabbos according to the way the calendar is established. Yom Kippur can. But as Tishbub comes out on Shabbos, it gets pushed off. The Amar Rabbi and Rabbi says in the Yamara Megillah, Hail the Nitcha Yitcha. It's pushed off. Let it stay pushed off. Leave it alone. Don't bring it back. According to Rebbe, Shadas Rebbe, Kashachola, Tainus, Shabbos, if the fast comes out on Shabbos, we push it off, we push it off entirely, and we don't fast. Even on Sunday. The Chachamim did not agree to that, and since Halacha Kirabim, Allah according to the Khamun is Allah Rabbi Khamim, 
therefore we do have that fast on Sunday. But according to them, we find that Shabbos comes out of Tishbam, not enough that it's a day of pleasure and happiness, but even more so. That from the Kayach of Shabbos Kedish goes so strong that it rectifies any kind of mourning that needed to take place and fasting, and it pushes it totally off the map. Even though, unfortunately, that's not the halacha, still in all, we learn from this, the maila of this Shabbos. Let us understand and explain this properly. <coughs> what is so special about the Shabbos? Chayda, just the opposite. It's a tightness. It's a day of fast and mourning. We're mourning the destruction of the Temple. Even though you push off the fast itself to the next day, and ain't availus b'shabbos, you can't really have availus b'shabbos, how do you know you have to be very happy? Push away everything that has to do with this fast? The days of Mashiach, when they will push off for reasons the fast in the morning, the Navi Zechariah guarantees us. And he says, Every one of these fasts is what will happen. All these fast days on the calendar today will turn over to be days of happiness and joy. And even this, the fact that the fast will turn over to the days of we have to understand the fact that the same and the evil and the morning was pushed away, I understand. Because it's a commemoration of the Khurban and all the pain we went through that happened to our forefathers. Now that the Gula of Mashiach is going to come, so we don't need to mem- remember those memories. We don't have to wallow in the in this sadness. But what's going to be so great in those days that will turn these days into Yom Tevim? Simcha. Let's understand what is the essence of the fast. Pasik tells us the day of the fast is Yem Rotzein Lashem. It's a day that God wants to hear from us. Not only is it imperative to do repentance, the Tshuva and Kapara, like Hanyim Kippur, but any tightness that is established because of any kind of problem, any kind of trouble, any kind of pain that the Jews went through, their reason for existence is the to awaken the hearts and to open them for the ways of tshuva. Because on these days we remember our bad deeds and the word and those of our forefathers until so much so that it caused all this pain. And therefore we are awakened, says the Rambam, not of the hative. So all the other fasts are also you made Hashem. The days that God wants for a person to chew. But these fasts, these day he made Hudson, were established in a way that we need to seize the opportunity through the fasting. This wakes up the person for tshuva. If you keep being scored, home the Gemara Brachas Yud Zayin Amaralov says, "Shamis Anam Mevakish Mashem Isbarek." The person fasts. Ask from the Ebrisha Shia Shia Khelbi Vidomi Shinismayat Kilo Ikraftim Lufanecho Al Gabem is Bear for Sani. Any calories I burnt off, the fats and anything that I burnt off during the course of this fast should be as if it's a sacrifice on the Mizbeach. This all takes place in the time of Golos. When we're in exile. Though when Mashiach comes as Ruach Avim in Oretz, the impure spirits will totally be eradicated. 
and there won't be place for torturing a body. On the other hand, the Yemei will not be necessary anymore. Because this day is not set aside for fasting. But just the opposite. These are special days to add in our service to God how through Simcha V'tumlevav through happiness, joy. If that's the case, instead of it being days of sadness, of fasting, of mourning, but it become it'll be turned over totally for days of Simcha. And this Yomtev of Tishabov, this time of Tishabov, and Shivas of Tamas, which both came out on Shabbos, is like the days of the fast of the days of Mashiach. Since Nasr Lavi, the fast will not be necessary. Therefore, the concept of Ratzon Hashem, has to be saved, has to be used for Simcha Levov, the same way also now. Since we're not fasting, we're not mourning on this day, because we're not allowed to fast or mourn. Therefore, the concept of Yom Ratzon, we need to achieve through, through happiness and through joy. More on Shabbos, this Shabbos more than regular Shabbos. And just like in the days of Mashiach, we're going to seize this moment, seize this happiness, this opportunity to add in service of Hashem and Simcha. Same way also this very Shabbos, we add with food and with drink and we fabreng. Even more so, a Shabbos like this, we add to Hashem to push it off on the Sunday, and He should push it off entirely. To bring Mashiach to Kenu, and then it will be totally eradicated in the the Sassan and the Simcha. And this is what Rebbe says when he says, Hail Venitcha Yitcha, Hail the Chaltishabav Liyes Bishabbos, and since it came out on Shabbos. We were given the kayak to push it off. For those of you that have not been doing laundry all week, the good news is laundry can be done on Sunday night. You don't have to wait till Monday morning like usually on Tishabab, which is usually the next day by Chatzais. You can't already do laundry on Sunday night. Meat cannot be eaten, wine cannot be drank until Sunday midday. Havdola is made Matzah Sunday, not Matzah Shabbos. Before Mayrev on Matzah Shabbos, one should say Baruch Hamadol change their shoes to their Tishabav shoes, to their sneakers. Um, Sweet son, brother, right? What? Sweet. Who? Sweet shoes. Sweet or not leather? I don't know. Ask a foot doctor. Um, Shoes should be changed, and you go to Maidiv. You also make the Beda Maidiv Ish before Maidiv, because you're not going to make it by Avdallah. You go to Maidiv, Echa is recited after Maidiv. The shul will darken or dim the lights a little bit. Some will turn off entirely, and then go by light, by candlelight. Echa is recited, and then whatever Kinnis is said then. At the Kodesh thereafter. Um, those that say Mishnayas after davening, you don't say the regular Mishnayas of, of Mikvayas and Kalim, but rather just from Meid Cotton. Excuse me, Sunday morning is Shachris, Kinnus, Shachris, Kriyas Atera, Kinnus, and then parts of Valetzin, Elenu, Shirsha Yem, and Enkelekain and Kaveh is said before Mincha. Later in the afternoon, usually. And the tefillin is worn by Mincha. Talus as well. And we need to sit on something lower than three Tvachim, or three Tvachim and lower, from Matzah Shabbos until Sunday Chatzais. Yes, you can lie in a bed. Yes, you can sit, lie on a couch. No, you cannot sit on a couch if it's higher. No, you may not rinse out your mouth in the morning. Mincha uh, again is with 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 tefillin, talis and tefillin, 
or just tefillin if you don't, you don't wear a talis yet. And kriyas hatayrev ayichal, it's not the same kriyas hatayrev as in the morning. And then chitas is said in the late after, in the afternoon as well. The main thing is we have to simcha, and we should take see the joy of this Shabbos. Should bring simcha paid together, and should break all gedarim, all boundaries, to an extent that we will have the third base hamikdash not dangling in front of us, not from distance, but in front of us, where we will sit inside and we will see the kehanim bavidosam. This very Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom to all. And if Chas we have to fast, a very, very easy fast.